Welcome to Hot Truths by Vertex. This is where we peel the layers and uncover raw, unobvious industry insights and venture capital knowledge across Southeast Asia and India. We interview some of the world's top leaders in tech, innovation, and capital formation to hear the stories of enlightening discoveries, as well as aha moments to help early stage entrepreneurs navigate their building journey. Hi, I'm Elise Tan, and I'm your host for this episode of Hard Truth by Vertex. Hi, Kilok. I'm excited to have Kilok on our show today. So Kilok is someone who needs no introduction as he's a successful and accomplished investor and entrepreneur. At Vertex, Kilok holds four roles. He is managing partner at Vertex Ventures Southeast Asia and India. He is CEO of Vertex Holdings, chairman of Vertex Growth Fund, and last but not least, non-executive chairman at Vertex Spec. So Vertex has grown a lot under your leadership, Kilok. There is a lot going on at Vertex. So last year, um, we have Grab that has gone public and we have not one, but three portfolio companies that have become unicorn, namely Licious, Niam and PetSnap. Now we have six unicorns in the portfolio. So I wanted to ask you, you know, what's going on in your life and what's top of your mind these days? Well, I guess for me, there are three uh, things uh, that come to mind. Uh, first and foremost uh, is uh, continuously looking out uh, for good people and talented people to join us. Uh, be passionate about what we're trying to do, uh, do and always strive to do a better result and also keeping these people challenged to do better every day. Second is, uh, is uh, constantly rise above our competition and stay ahead of our competitors. Now, that's a very important factors that we always must remind ourselves that this is important. And uh, last but not least is, uh, of course, it's about uh, uh, success, not to let success get to our head. Uh, you know, uh, we have been successful so far. Uh, we need to remind ourselves to remain humble, uh, not to be complacent. And uh, some, some point in time, we probably will stumble. And um, at that point in time, we have to focus on the challenges and issues ahead of us and not to be distracted and uh, to, to, to solve the problem systematically and then strive to, to even uh, bring the company to greater heights. I like what you have shared with us, you know, I think especially the part about not letting success get to us, being complacent. Uh, and I realized from talking to so many of our Vertex colleagues, right, that humility is such a strong factor in, I think, most, most people. And I find that really refreshing because a lot of them are so accomplished and so in, intelli inter intelligent. So to me, you know, um, how they remain humble is um, something I admire. And the same goes to our founders as well. When I interview them, I also see that, you know, they are so capable in what they do. Uh, yet they are still humble and still willing to learn. So just curious, Kilok, you have been in VC space for quite a while. I'm just wondering what is the most memorable deal for you? I, th I think that would be Grab. Uh, that would be a company that uh, despite uh, all the, uh, you know, the challenges they, they've uh, you know, encountered in initial days, uh, the team, especially Anthony, was able to overcome many of them and uh, successfully execute their plan and vision and uh, eventually build a great companies uh, in this region. Yeah, tell me more about Grab, you know, because there's a lot, I guess, under the radar. Tell us about maybe a story of how they have overcome a huge challenge. 
Oh, for many of us uh, who probably may not uh, remember, the Grab started originally as a my taxi uh, in a couple of cities in Malaysia, uh, together with Vertex, uh, you know, funding and uh, you know uh, coming together, uh, believing that uh, this region Southeast Asia, there are many cities requiring and needing such services. And Grab renamed itself to Grab and uh, from my taxi, and then uh, expanded its services to this region. Uh, this unfortunately caught the attention of a larger player called Uber, uh, which uh, came from US and uh, Europe. Uh, this is a company which is much better financed that time, much larger in scale, has a lot more, uh, I guess, uh, resources uh, uh, for themselves. And uh, that attracted uh, Uber enter our market. And uh, with their finance and their cash that they have, and uh, many of the predatory actions they've taken against Grab, um, and uh, initially was a big challenge for the team. Uh, but I think credit to, uh, to Anthony and, and his team uh, realizing that what is important is a localization, what is important to build a strong team, what is important is to build a good offering and product and quality offering product in each of the market. And ultimately, they are able to win more customer and uh, overcome all these uh, you know, the initial the hurdles and uh, eventually they acquire Uber and of course, uh, Uber exited the market totally. I think that is such a great David and Goliath story. Thank you for sharing with us. But you also mentioned about uh, being passionate. But how would you be able to test for passion? Because oftentimes, we only meet the founders for a short while before we need to make a decision to invest. What is something that's uh, the hardest part about business? I think, uh, I think as you mentioned earlier on, market products and uh, financial modeling is not difficult to uh, figure out. Uh, ultimately, the, what is the most uh, important factor is the, the, the team and the founding team member and the leadership. Uh, how we uh, assess that is, is critical. Uh, so, so we actually spend a lot more time with the founding team and the found, founders trying to uh, understand what, uh, what is motivating them, uh, what is their attitude towards uh, certain things, and how do they go about uh, building uh, greater companies over time? And uh, in, in, uh, in the event of uh, you know, challenges and issues, how do they you know, uh, you know, able to focus on it uh, together? And I think, that, uh, I think I may share with you the, this, this, um, this story that uh, when I was a Logitech uh, independent, independent director many years ago, um, Logitech is a Swiss company, and they had the R&D centers in, uh, in uh, Lausanne uh, EPFL campus. <clears throat> and then they had this uh, uh, staircase whereby from first floor to second floor, there's uh, this uh, small little poster uh, with three uh, simple liner there. And then uh, basically says, uh, you know, uh, ability, motivations, and attitude. And, uh, and he described ability is what you can do. Motivation determines what you will do. Attitudes drives how well you do something. So I think the, for us, it's ultimately is uh, assessing ability, assessing motivation is fairly uh, you know easy. Uh, but ultimately, it's trying to figure out what is the attitude. Uh, you know how do they, uh, what how do they go about doing certain things, uh, and uh, it's equally important. I really like what you have shared because it kind of summarizes what we have covered so far. So we have talked about ability to execute. So when we talk about passion and now you mentioned about attitude. And I think that attitude is definitely super important in the factor, whether it's in terms of a founder or 
you know, someone who is wants to be uh, successful in life. So, how do you have an example of a founder who has displayed the kind of attitude you know, that you you like? I guess uh, in the most recent uh, example will be Niam. Uh, you know, Prajit. Uh, uh, you know, in in the early days onset, uh, decided that he wanted to build a technology platform solutions, uh, allowing the you know, facilities to make it uh, easier for consumer to uh, to uh, to remit uh, uh, cash over uh, over different borders. And uh, after building the technology, demonstrating that he's able to do this through many many different countries, he did quickly discovered that. Uh, while the technology works, uh, while this is a possible business proposition, uh, the path towards uh, profitability will be very challenging as a C2C model. And uh, as a founder, obviously, he, he was able to recognize this issue and uh, pivoted and uh, adjusted his business model, transformed himself to today where he is in terms of providing a mobile payment solutions versus trying to be, uh, just purely be a remittance company. So in, in so doing, when you are, you know, even though the technology platform solution is uh, similar, uh, you're actually adjusting your business plan. Uh, when you're doing that, uh, you know, uh, over a period of time, uh, investors or even some of the uh, so-called, uh, uh, you know, supporters will start questioning whether or not you are doing the right thing. And uh, and then sometimes even, you know, the, you know, at times even, you know, saying some very negative things about uh, what they're trying to achieve. So I think the project, uh, credit to him, uh, he was able to stay focused and uh, and very determined uh, what he's trying to do is ultimately is the correct thing and, and uh, continue the, this path and, uh, you know, transform himself and the company. And today, of course, he's a global uh, mobile payment solutions or online payment solutions uh, through many different countries uh, around the world. And that, that transformation uh, is, is through his determination and his, his uh, positive attitudes. And, uh, and that's not easy uh, things to do. Yeah, I cannot agree more that uh, Praji is such a person with great attitude and yet so humble. <clears throat> In fact, uh, our colleague and venture partner, Gumping wrote an article after uh, Prajit and uh, Niam, you know, becomes unicorn. So the story was ambitious yet humble, a note on uh, Niam becoming a unicorn. So the story was actually about how 18 months before he became unicorn, how he was his business was affected badly by COVID. And later on, um, in order to make sure the company stay alive, he took a you know severe cut in his pay. And the same goes for his leadership team as well. So really kudos to him, you know, uh, having that drive, determination to push on. So I also want to really go into the part on uh, turning around business, right? Because I think that part is really important as well because business, we don't uh, expect it to be successful always because something that we can't control is the environmental factors. Do you know about a company that has a great turnaround story? I guess uh, that will be probably the best example is ourselves. Uh, I think uh, so. For many of you probably familiar, the Vertex started off in 1988 originally as a corporate venture arm of Singapore Technologies. Uh, under the leadership of Mr. Lee, uh, the company grew very well, delivered good results. Uh, but unfortunately, the we were Vertex uh, were hit by the dot com bubble, and uh, subsequently the company was uh, tremendously challenged and had to be restructured and um, put under, right under as a wholly owned subsidiary of Tomasic and uh, immediately hibernated for a period of time 
until 2008 uh, that, uh, that uh, you know, I was brought on board uh, to restart Vertex. Uh, initially, with about $200 million of so-called remaining portfolio and some a bit of cash from uh, Tomasic uh, to restart this initiative. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, little do we know at that point in time that, uh, you know, while restarting the plan and the idea was great, uh, immediately we'll, you discover that the 50% of people uh, don't quite believe that the restarting Vertex was a, such a good idea. Uh, they, they believe that uh, whatever happens uh, should be just buried and then forget about it. And, uh, and then the other 50% people, of course, um, uh, thought that the restarting venture capital uh, it's a good idea uh, because giving technology innovations is happening. Uh, unfortunately, these 50% people, however, they decided uh, that, uh, that it's a good idea, but they don't think that the, the team that they brought on board, especially myself, is the correct people to, to build this, uh, this uh, opportunities. And then, so the, the journey is, uh, was treacherous and uh, there's many hurdles and there are many um, you know, unfortunate obstacles. And uh, we were fortunate enough that, that we were able to bring on board many good people to join us initially, and uh, and we were able to focus on the the the, the matters at hand and and uh, deliver strong good results. And uh, subsequently, uh, in 2014, further transform ourselves uh, to today's network of uh, six partnerships. Uh, we were over six billion US uh, under management and continuously delivering good results. And uh, in a way, we, we came from the near-death experience uh, to today growing six uh, global network of $6 billion, uh, you know, of uh, venture capital portfolios. And that by itself is a, is a um, you know, a long and interesting turnaround story. Yes, thank you for sharing this. And I think this is something that many people didn't know as well because you look at Vertex today and then you think that we have always been successful, but this is not the case. I'm also curious to you know what led you to accept the role at Vertex uh, and then also accepting the challenge of diversifying the LP pool because that is really, to me, super impressive because you have to convince people and, and quite a big percentage of the, the fund is to be uh, invested by external LPs. Well, initially when the, the business plan initially the then was a uh, single LP uh, focus uh, where Tomasic owns 100% of Vertex holding providing capital for us to invest in technology and disruption. That was the initial business plan, which I think is still continuing. Uh, the, the idea was that uh, uh, you know, technology is disrupting many businesses. Uh, it's, it's important for us to be uh, active participants of that, uh, to understand where are the trends and where are the opportunities, at the same time make some good money out of it. Uh, so that was the initial idea. Uh, what changes uh, along the way was 2014, uh, and uh, you know uh, when there was a major turning point whereby uh, recognizing that in order for us to scale further and faster, uh, better is is to to have a, this current enrichment or network fund whereby majority of capital are raised from external investors, with Vertex holding as a holding company providing anchor funding to each of the uh, partnership, and then each partners must be able to contribute own personal capital to the fund and grow the business themselves. So, of course, at that point in time, in, uh, you know, uh, looking at today, of course, uh, we, we all have been able to raise multiple funds since then. But initially, the hardest thing is to convince people, especially the first LP, uh, why should they uh, you know, give you the money? Uh, why should they uh, believe in what you're trying to do? It makes a lot of sense. 
And uh, so that that is a biggest challenge. That the initial first, very first LP is is a critical factor. And for Southeast Asia, and you know, we we always appreciate the very first investor LPs that who invested in us. And that LPs is always very important to us. Yes, totally. I and I think in 2014 the fund is already generating results. So maybe people will be thinking if it's doing so well, why do you want to let other people right come and share in the pie? So I think that overcoming that. Um, feeling is, is difficult. I want to also know what is the hard truth there, you know, in terms of diversifying the LP pool. I imagine you have gone through a lot during that period. Yeah, I think the the basic principle still boils down to the, uh, unfortunately, the remember I mentioned about the 50% people uh, believe that the, the past uh, failure was a problem. And uh, so that fifty percent drives some of the uh, uh, commentary and some of the perceptions. Uh, while we were able to very quickly from two thousand eight to two thousand thirteen deliver very strong results, uh, they're still concerned at that point in time whether, whether this is going to be sustainable. Uh, is this just a matter of uh, you know uh, you know short term uh, temporary gain? Eventually, you may uh, uh, come back to the same uh, problem that happened before. So therefore, the, there's many concerns on whether or not, um, you know, how do we create a structure whereby it's sustainable? How do you create a structure where it's the interest of the investment professional is aligned to the investors or as investor at that point in time, single investor? So then, then uh, after many rounds of discussion, uh, it appears that the best way is to uh, create a GPLP structure, which is the standard formula from uh, venture capital industry, whereby, um, you know, you must uh, uh, give each of the team member ability to put their own money into the fund and then align their interest with the LP. And if they are able to do that and uh, convince more people to put capital with us, naturally the, the market of Vertex holding will be able to similarly match that amount. And then, uh, you know, the, uh, recognizing that uh, there's, a, there's a validation going on with other people. And so that created that structure that today is, uh, continues uh, going on for, for a long time. Thank you for sharing that. You know, childhood is something that successful people sometimes don't talk a lot about. <laughs> yeah. So I want to actually go there because I want to know better about you because uh, I think that childhood has been something that definitely shaped you into someone you are today. Would you like to share a little bit about your childhood? Well, I guess um, growing up, uh, you know, one of the things I always res uh, remember is the Sunday with my father. Uh, I mean, just as a you know uh, background, uh, my father uh, and his uh, my uncle uh, came from this small island called Jingmen, or in, in English called Golden Gate or uh, Golden Doors. It's a small little island off Taiwan, and uh, they came to Singapore in the fifties, uh, wanting to build a better life for themselves. And 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 then uh, of course, my father married my mother, and gave birth to uh, three of my older sisters, myself and my younger brother, and. Uh, and as a businessman, and in those days, uh, they essentially work what is known as 996, uh, uh, starting from 9 a.m. in the morning, uh, work until 9 p.m. every day for six days a week. And the only rest day is Sunday. And for Sunday, the, even though rest day, uh, you know, he, uh, as a businessman, they always worry about their business. So what you after wake up in Sunday, uh, we will have a brunch uh, or lunch, uh, and then early lunch. And uh, after lunch, uh, my three older sisters, of course, they had their own activities. And uh, my younger brother and myself will follow my father and my mother. 
And my mother would bring my younger brother to go and visit my aunties and uh, spend time with them. And I, uh, being the oldest son, end up with my father. And he will, he will, uh, he will brought me to his uh, office. In those days, was in the Carpenter Street. Uh, today, all these uh, buildings are uh, conservation uh, houses. And uh, um, um, essentially, the the businessman essentially the arrangement is that the the, the most senior guys is uh, sitting inside the the building, and uh, the tables and after tables lined up uh, in front of them. And right in front at the doorsteps, there will be uh, samples of product because they're in trading business, commodity trading business. There are samples of corn, samples of uh, green beans or whatever, or rice that they were selling. They'll be all outside there. And then it's even Sunday afternoon, you will be seeing uh, people either uh, uh, walk in or people making appointments to come in to have a discussion. And then you, uh, was, uh, I, I was a young boy at the time, would be sitting on this table at the end of the room uh, you know, writing or reading or, or whatever I was doing, and uh, watching him uh, talking to people in front at the in uh, at the entrance, sometimes thirty minutes, sometimes forty five minutes, and uh, discussing whatever matters of interest. And and at the end of it, so the interesting part, uh, uh, he will then, after finishing that discussion uh, or conversation with the people that uh, he spoke to, uh, I would see him standing most of the time in front of the, uh, his table. Um, um, uh, giving a summary of uh, uh, his discussion with the, the people he just met. And, uh, and ultimately, it boils down to assessing the situation. Uh, he'll be uh, describing to his uh, staff or his colleagues that, uh, uh, what was the discussion and, uh, and his assessment of the, uh, the person that he just met, uh, you know, um, be it his reading of his body language or his reading of situation. He'll be giving a conclusion why he thinks this is for real or this is just, you know, uh, a bunch of uh, you know the you know the, I guess uh, you know the uh, waste of time, and uh, and what what sort of the learning for me is that um, is is about reading people and assessing the situation, and uh, there's something still very important today for every times with whatever. We now I know why you are so good at analyzing people, and I love to hear you know how how your father have actually been such a great teacher to his staff, spending the time to reassess the situation to them so they had to learn over time. And I realized that at Vertex, we often do that uh, weekly at our Wednesday meetings as well. And I really enjoy all the learnings that our senior partners you know, so kindly share with us. And that uh, is something we can't learn from reading books or just um, you know, going online to search about it. So this is really invaluable. And I'm still curious about you know, your family life, you know, your, your private life, um, what you can share with us. Because I think, you know, one of the most difficult thing about being someone uh, who is high in the position will be, what is the hard truth, you know, about balancing work and family? I guess as you move out the hierarchy, it's, uh, the, the hardest thing is that, uh, you know, as an as a executive, is, is not to bring your work back home. And, uh, you know, you know, you will have problems at in the office, and uh, uh, quite often than not, uh, it's very difficult for many of us, including myself, not to bring that part of the work home. So, and you can't help it. So, so in order for you not to to create problem at home, uh, you need to have understanding uh, spouse and the wife, who understand that they appreciate what you you are you you are going through, and then to be uh, to be able to assess that you you are going to a difficult day not to be you know uh, you know you know 
pound on it, making it harder. So uh, I was fortunate that my wife actually, uh, you know, we were married for many years, that uh, she understood, uh, you know, many of these things that sometimes I, I, I encountered. And then when I come home, she, she somehow is able to figure out that uh, today must be a tough day. She discover that, uh, you know, the, and she will be, you know, the, you know, trying to, you know, bring out some lighter topics and, uh, you know, sometimes stories to tell me. So I sort of, sort of distract me from the, whatever I was, uh, you know, the, uh, bothering me at, at, in the office. And uh, so that, that helps. So I think, the, you know, the, as they always say, you know, any, in front of every successful man, there's a very uh, important uh, person, which is their wife or the spouse uh, at home. I, I think this is important, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I hear of people who say compartmentalizing is, is a good tip, but do you agree with that? Do you have other secrets to share for balancing family and uh, work well? So I guess compartmentalization is important, uh, but I don't think many of us can. It's, it's not foolproof. Uh, it's, not, it's not foolproof. I don't think it's, um, most of us can't do this well. And I don't think, we are human. I mean, we let things, we are emotional and we will let things affect you. And uh, however we try not to, to do this, uh, it still somehow will be affected. Uh, your mood will be down, you'll be a bit more, less talkative, uh, you'll be... Be distracted with some of the uh, things that you're trying to uh, work on. So I think the, while you try to compartmentalize it, but uh, I think it's never easy. I think that that is never an easy thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. When I and I when I see people who are able to uh, when they feel certain emotions, be able to hold it in, you know, be able to channel that out later. I I see that person being someone who is has cultivated himself well. And it is not easy. It's all about, you know, really a journey of personal growth. So, Kilok, just now you also mentioned about behind every successful person, there will be a supportive spouse. So, in these days, um, I think there's a lot of discussion about diversity, equality, and specifically for our Southeast Asian India Fund, we have quite a few female founders who've been back. So, we have uh, by now back at least nearly 20 female founders, right? So, can I also understand from you, do you, what do you think female founders need in terms of support so that they will be able to do well? I guess uh, the most important part of it is uh, a lot of times uh, any, for every successful uh, founders, it's actually a mentor. Mm. I think the fortunate or unfortunately, the men has a lot more pool of mentors available. So that naturally gives them a lot more better opportunities. So I think what is important for female founders is, uh, you know, especially those successful ones, uh, is to, to make themselves available to help some of the younger emerging uh, yeah, female founders be helpful to them uh, because uh, they need uh, the, the important coaching. Like what you mentioned, a lot of things uh, we can't really learn from school. Uh, it's a lot of times the experience. Uh, it's important that when you you have a problem, uh, you you are able to go to somebody, a mentor uh, that you you trust, then they're going to judge you. Uh, you are able to share what is what's troubling you, what is the things that you're trying to solve, and this mentor, uh, uh, he or she, is able to say, okay, you know, um, this is the problem. This, uh, you know, this is what I would uh, would have done, uh, and it may not necessarily be the correct answers, but at least you have somebody to talk to the points. So I think um, you know the, uh, the uh, reason why why we've seen a lot more successful uh, male founders so far is I think that network of mentorship is has been one of the important factor, and what uh, in I hope that in over time 
with more female founders are more successful, they, they, they are able to more actively helping some of the younger female founders or co-founders that will create a bigger pool of successful female entrepreneurs over time. I think that you're probably right. Um, and I see that our colleagues have been very active in terms of uh, mentoring females. And it's also helped that uh, there are quite a few female investors in our team as well, because I imagine that uh, female founders will feel more um, relaxed, you know, reaching out to someone of the same gender and who understand their communication style. Yeah, so I think that's important for female founders who are successful to come back and really help others to succeed. So I want to, you know, before we end, I want to ask you, what is one quote that you love, that you want us to know? Yeah, I, I think I may have shared with you that uh, many years ago, I was invited to give a commencement speech in uh, National University of Singapore and U.S. Uh, graduations. And uh, at the end of my speech, uh, I quoted this uh, poet, uh, from, I think from a French poet, uh, Anatole France, uh, who... Uh, in one simple sentence, sort of summarizes many things that, that we have been discussing today. And it goes something like this, um, to accomplish great things, you must not only act, but also dream. Not only plan, but also believe. So I think this is summarizes everything that we're trying to do and are trying to achieve. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. Before we close, do remember to check out the podcast notes via the link in the episode description. We have for you the entire episode transcript, bite-sized summaries, and a wealth of other resources and content that we're sure you'll love. Also, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please do spread the word and give us a thumbs up. It would help others find the show and mean a lot to us. Thank you for joining us. This is Hot Truths by Vertex. See you next time.